Good morning, Mosaic Church. We hope you're continuing to have a great start to 2023, and we are so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. If you're new to Mosaic, as a church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like more information about our vision, or you want to get connected to the life of our church through community groups, or if you'd like to find an opportunity to serve, you can text the word MOSAIC to 97000 and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. We have a lot of great things happening this month that we would love for you to be a part of with us. Community groups started back last week, so if you've been thinking about joining into community with us, don't leave today without getting the info you need from the connection desk on your way out. Also, our men's and women's ministries are beginning next Wednesday here at the church building at 6 p.m. The first men's meeting will be on the 18th, and the first women's meeting will be the following week on the 25th at the same time. And last but not least, we'll be having an interactive night of worship on Sunday, January 29th at 6 p.m. as our way to commit to being the church together this year. We hope you'll plan to join us for that. And now, as we get ready to enter into corporate worship, if you're concerned about having little ones in service with you, we want you to be at ease. We love kids here and have a lot of them. Our kids ministry is always available to you, and we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together. All right. Well, hey, good morning again. Uh, my name is Tad Anderson. I'm the lead uh, teaching pastor of Mosaic Church, and on behalf of Mosaic, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here this morning. My actual wife did not disappear, even though her video, her welcome video, apparently did. We we tried to get our you know church technology to make a resolution to not glitch, but it said not till Jesus returns. So um, <laughs> until then, I guess we'll still have glitches with technology. Uh, hey, I've got a few uh, announcements before we get to the word this morning, so let me do that. Um, first of all. Uh, our first men's ministry meeting is going to be this Wednesday night here at 6 p.m. There is, uh, I've been talking about this for, uh, for weeks and weeks, uh, but there is, uh, there's no prerequisite for these uh, men's ministry meetings and women's ministry meetings that will follow. No prerequisite for the men's meeting other than being a uh, biological adult male who wants to follow Jesus. I think I see a few of those in here, so... Uh, I expect to see you there as well. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, if that's you, just come. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be an awesome time to, to grow together, I hope, and get to know one another better. So I hope to see you there for that. Um, the second announcement is uh, we did decide on a date and time for our night of worship. It's going to be uh, on January the 29th at 6 p.m. Uh, that will be a Sunday night, so we'll have that in lieu of our regular community group gatherings the theme will be Revive. It'll be in conjunction with a lot of the uh, messages here at the start of the year in this vision series, as well as our upcoming uh, corporate fast. We are going to, we're working currently on having uh, some minimal childcare for that, probably like uh, birth through second grade. Uh, so we're figuring that out. We encourage older kids and students to join us uh, for that night of worship as well. It's going to be a good time of singing together, prayer, uh, and working through a few stations. If you were with us for uh, the last night of worship that we did, similar to that, a little bit of interactive stations and things for us to be thinking through. It's going to be good. Uh, the, they'll prompt us on uh, topics like confession and commitment. So I hope you'll plan to be there with us as well. And the last announcement is that uh, community groups are back in session. 
So, yep, so get in, okay? Um, community groups are the way to really uh, be a part of this church family. We eat together, we let our kids play together, we pray together, we share our, our lives together, we talk about important takeaways from uh, the Bible together, and uh, anyone can jump in at any time to a community group. But uh, we are on the front end right now, so why not jump now is my appeal to you. If you have questions or concerns, uh, please come talk to me or really any of our pastors or leaders. If you're hesitant, uh, let me just say community groups as well as men's and women's ministries um, are not just for like um, super Christians, okay? Uh, there's actually, first of all, there's no such thing as that, all right? Um, anyone who thinks they fall in that category is not as super as they think. That does come from, from the Bible, uh, but these, these environments are for you. They're for you. So if you don't come, then in a sense, you know, you're not taking advantage of all that exists for you here, and uh, we're not caring for you and discipling you uh, like we are committed to doing, all right? So uh, if you have um, hurdles to, to attendance, we get it. We all do, but at least come talk to us. Maybe we can uh, clear some of those hurdles together, okay, uh, and get you more plugged into this church family. All right, let's, uh, let's jump back into our first sermon series of the year called What Now? Uh, I spent a, a good 15 minutes last week explaining the premise and the motivation for this series, but it's, it's basically this, okay? Uh, at the beginning of 2023, we want to be focused on the main things, regardless of how last year went, regardless of how odd the past three years or so have been for life in general, but also church specifically. We want to be a church that remembers that regardless of seasons and circumstances, what is next for the church, it never changes. It's always Jesus's mission. And last week, we spent some time reading uh, the Great Commission that was given to us by Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1 and reflecting on how genuine disciples of Jesus have remained committed to that same mission of making more disciples and, and teaching them to observe what Jesus taught over the course of the last 2,000 years. Okay, like through, through the ups and downs of, of history, wars and, and revolutions and plagues and discovery of new lands and scientific principles and huge accomplishments for humanity, like through it all, the mission has continued because Jesus' church found ways to keep it going. Okay, regardless of, of how the world was changing, their focus remained the same. And I think that um, the beginning of 2023 is the best possible time for us as the church here in Crestview, to commit or, or recommit ourselves to that same mission based on the principles that we see in Scripture. We see a lot of those in the book of Acts, and so we're utilizing passages from Acts this month as our kind of our jumping off point for these conversations. And today, uh, the topic will be prayer. All right, so let's, uh, let's start by praying. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are good and you are God. And we are so thankful this morning that in Christ you have revealed that not only did you make us in your image, but you are mindful of us and you love us 
dearly, desiring that we would have the great joy of glorifying you with our lives. Thank you for the message of the gospel that reveals that to us, God. The the message of your son coming to live perfectly so that he could credit his perfection to our account. And then who loved us at our worst, most sinful point, so much so that he would pay for us, to redeem us, to buy us back from sin and death with his own blood on the cross. And then, Lord, thank you for the resurrection. That is, uh, Jesus not only sacrificially laying his life down, but authoritatively taking it back up again. That is the, the clearest possible evidence that he can and should be trusted as the only one who's able to save us and who can be the Lord of life that we need now and forever. And forever. God, we, we thank you for that glorious message of your grace. And even more still, God, we, we thank you for the opportunity for each of us to be a part of the mission and taking it to the world. Lord, there is nothing more amazing than the opportunity to be reunited with you and on a mission to take your message of reconciliation to a world that is desperately in need of mercy and hope. And so I pray, Father, that by your spirit, you would breed gratitude and excitement in us about this reality and cause us to grow as men and women whose prayers largely revolve around this mission and our renewed desires to be found faithful on this mission. Would you do that in part through the proclamation of your word now? God, God, I I don't have the ability to stir hearts on my own, regardless of oratory skill or personality, both of which are honestly average at best for me. But Holy Spirit, you can you can convict and encourage and fill and empower us today to grow and change for the exaltation of Christ. So would you do that? Please, Lord, we need you. I need you. As we just sang, we depend on you. This family of believers, we confess that we are fully reliant on you for every good and providential gift that we turn and use for the glory of Jesus. So will you help us? It's in Jesus' beautiful and glorious name that I pray. Amen. All right. Well, if you were, uh, if you were here last week, I opened uh, by talking about the situation that our, our whole country is talking about right now, which is uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation. And if you don't know what happened, uh, there's this thing called uh, the news that you should read every now and then. <laughs> Just kidding, sort of. But uh, anyway, uh, DeMar is a safety for the Buffalo Bills, and he experienced at the beginning of the year an extremely rare medical episode on the football field where you're hitting the chest at a high degree of force at the worst possible time, and it can uh, send anyone, regardless of their level of physical fitness, into cardiac arrest because it essentially interrupts and stops the beating of your heart. But anyway, it was virtually unprecedented, and no one knew what to do. It was really scary for anyone watching. And I think everyone was thinking, (laughs) we were just here to uh, enjoy a a good football game. And now we're all faced with the most serious realities of life and death. And so uh, all of a sudden, in a nation that was founded 
uh, under God, but that has more or less removed the name of God from every public institution, football teams and coaches just began to pray and say openly that they do believe in God, and as a result, they believe in prayer. And one interesting moment, ESPN correspondent, he he just said that, I'm not sure of his name, but he just said he didn't know if it was right or wrong in that moment, but he just felt like he should pray right there on the air. And so they all bowed their heads, and they did on national television. Pretty amazing. I was watching also um, the Jaguars game last week where we um, spanked the Tennessee Titans for the AFC South title, hashtag Duval. Um, (laughs) And before the game, all the players and coaches and everyone from, from both teams just went out on the field, and they kneeled down, and they prayed together. And I bring this up first, not because I'm, I'm touting these things as a model for us, but because I think that these kinds of moments where people are, are faced with the, the hard, undeniable truths of their mortality, they tend to showcase what Romans chapter 1 says that everyone knows deep down, but that, that most people are in a habit of suppressing, that There is a God, that he is good and sovereign over the events of history in our lives, that we need him, and that he graciously offers us the opportunity to talk with him in what we call prayer. And as Christians, we not only uh, intuitively sense this in our consciences, but we, we claim to treasure this and to know it for certain from God's word. And we know that the source of this grace is our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God who who died for us and who rose again to to reconcile our relationship with God so that our relationship with God is, is not a shallow one where we just kind of cry out to him in emergency situations, but where our communication is going on all the time, flowing both ways, where he, we actually get to, to know him and, and hear from him through his word and then communicate back to him in the ways that he has outlined for us based on his revealed character. So with all of this, my, my goal today is not to simply make a case that you should be praying. Um, the, the DeMar Hamlin situation reveals that even nominal and non-Christians know that. Okay, uh, my goal is, is also not necessarily to explain how you should pray when you pray. I, I've taught on that before, and I touch on it um, from time to time when our scripture passage lends itself to that discussion. If you're interested in that, recommend reading Matthew chapter 6 or Luke 11, um, where, where Jesus gives a model prayer for his disciples for them to understand the categories they should be thinking in as they pray. But My goal, specifically, from a couple passages in Acts this morning, is to show why, if we want to live our lives on mission, okay, uh, with Jesus, which I I assume we do, assume that's why you're here, um, then prayer is one of the most important components to that equation, okay? So, uh, two passages today. The first passage Uh, is in Acts chapter 4. And as you know from last week, the context here is that the apostles, Peter and John, they'd been arrested by the Jewish authorities and commanded to stop preaching the gospel. Uh, But if you've read Acts, you know that they responded 
you know, regardless of if you think it's right to listen to you instead of God, uh, we will not stop telling people about what we've seen and heard. So respectfully, they said, uh, no, we won't stop spreading the gospel. And then the Jewish leaders threatened them uh, some more, but really didn't have anything else they could do. And so they released them. And here's what the text says next, uh, picking it up in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, uh, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So in response to this persecution, they pray. Right? They pray. God, we trust you. We affirm the gospel. So so please, even in the face of resistance... Empower us to continue striving for faithfulness on this mission that you gave to us through Christ. And God answers that prayer. The next passage is shorter but similar. In Acts 13, starting in verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, um, Man, I'm not sure how to say his name, uh, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, so basically, later on in Acts, we see that, that prayer continues to be the, the practice of the church in worship, along with fasting, which we'll chat uh, about as well today. But um, as they're worshiping, praying, fasting, the the Spirit prompts them to send out Barnabas and Saul, who is actually the Apostle Paul, on a missionary journey to take the gospel wherever the Spirit was to lead them next. And so from these two passages, I think we can draw out very clearly the correlation, okay, between prayer and and mission. So so here it is. Prayer is critical to faithfulness on mission because there is divine direction and power that we will not possess without it. Okay. Uh, I know that uh, as I say that, there likely are not a ton of us who are thinking, wow, thanks, pastor. I've never thought of that before. (laughs) But uh, let me just bring before us 
the convicting truth that when it comes to prayer, sadly, what most of us are in need of is, is not more knowledge, but more obedience. Okay? Please hear me when I say that I, I do not say this in a condemning way, lest I too be condemned. Interestingly, like while, while prayer is something that so many of us know we should do, even why we should do and how to do, what we fail at is simply to do, right? Uh, and so really today, I'm just continuing to remind us all of what we already know, because often when we're honest, while we've heard countless talks or podcasts, sermons, read articles and, and books on prayer, our actual prayers are not nearly as countless as we know they should be. So if you desire for your prayer life to be better, join the club, okay? That's part of why I'm addressing this, because even as someone who prays frequently for himself and his family and his church, I, I do have plenty of room to grow. So back to the point, what we see about prayer, the prayers of the church in Acts, is that, first of all, they are clearly focused on mission, okay? They're focused on mission. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again, because I think we can really learn from it. I was in a community group several years ago, and a guy in our group said to everyone, well, you know, I, I, uh, I don't read the Bible very much, like, at all, <laughs> but I have a great prayer life. And Nicole Rate just interjects what a lot of us were thinking. <laughs> she said, well, then what are you praying about? And she was right. I'm glad she said it. I didn't have to. Her question was rhetorical. Her point was, God's word should be informing and guiding our prayers, or else it's likely that our prayers are not focused on biblical priorities. Right? And, and from Jesus himself, but also the prayers of the church in Acts, we see that mission should be at the top of our priorities and prayer. And, and by mission, I don't want there to be any confusion. By mission, I mean the actual gospel advancing. Amen. Okay, The actual gospel advancing. And your life, in your family's lives, in your sphere of personal influence, and through our church. Our prayers should be infused with the desire to see Jesus known and loved wherever we go. So that's kind of a given. But uh, the two things I said in my first point um, that result from our prayers are divine direction and power, okay? Because th this mission that we're on is not a merely human mission, okay? Like going to the grocery store or to the dry cleaners. I would argue that we can't even do those things well without the grace of God, okay? But um, those earthly things, they, they don't concern the eternal souls of lost people. And those kinds of earthly things don't have dark powers and principalities waging war against your soul. Okay. But the mission that Jesus has given us, we cannot do it without him. We can't do it without him. And to try would fall somewhere on the spectrum of foolish and dangerous. It's a spectrum I don't want to find myself on. Funny story from Acts 19. There was a group of 
Jewish, maybe you know this, Jewish exorcists. They're trying to cast a demon out of a man. And it says when they attempted to invoke the name of Jesus and Paul to call the demon out, it says the demon actually talks back he, and he, he cuts them off, <laughs> right? And uh, here's what the demon says. He says, um, hey, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And then it says, the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. (laughs) So, yeah, the point is, we're on a spiritual mission. And thus, we need divine direction and divine power in order to be successful Just the word mission in general, it implies that we're going somewhere, right? And so without fuel and a map, we're stalled out. And so we see in our passages this morning that not only do our fuel and our map come from God himself, but they actually come to us as we ask for them, okay? Some people wrestle doctrinally at this point, and they, they ask this kind of a question. If God is sovereign and he's going to implement his perfect will that he has preordained, then why do we need to ask him for things in prayer? He's just going to do it anyway, right? And the reason is because the way that God has preordained to give us the direction and power we need to do what he desires is through our asking. That's the way he set it up to work, okay? And Jesus teaches that there's, there's a, a peculiar glory that God gets as our Heavenly Father, who, yes, he, he already knows what we need before we ask, but he gets glory by supplying our needs as we recognize that we need them from him and we ask for them. Okay? God loves that. That's what Jesus says. God the Father loves that. He loves to provide what we need as we ask for it. It reveals his goodness, and it reveals his godness, and that he is totally capable of making perfect, timely providences for us as the needs arise. And so we see uh, that in, in both of our passages in Acts. As they pray, God supplies what is needed. In Acts 4, it's power. In Acts 13, it's direction. We need both. We need power, again, because the the work that we are engaging in, when we share the gospel with others, while, sure, we're just doing it through the ordinary means of words, there is a supernatural power to the words of the gospel. That's that's what Romans 1 verse 16 says. It says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. So, So when we speak the words of the gospel and people are responsive to them, that's because the Holy Spirit chooses to work in and through the words we've spoken to draw men and women 
unto Christ. Okay. Are you following me? Okay. So we need power. But we also need direction. Because while the gospel itself is a simple message, we need guidance to find the people who need to hear it. And there is, there's nuance to when and, and how we present the gospel to each person. Okay. Uh, we need the right words for the right moments. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who's able to line all of that up for us. Okay? And in Colossians 4, we see that even the Apostle Paul asks for prayer on this matter. He says, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So this, this is direction, where to go, how to get the gospel across. Okay, so, so from our passages in Acts, as well as from, from other passages in the New Testament and even in the Old Testament, it seems evident that on the mission that we've been given, we need divine direction. And we need divine power in order to be found faithful. And the way that we receive those things is via prayer. Prayer. Or simply asking. Asking for them. Okay. If you need more convincing, the last place I'll jump to help you is to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 9. His disciples have been trying to help a boy whose father informed them that he had been harassed by an evil spirit since his childhood. And though they tried, uh, they were not able to cast out the spirit. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He seems a bit annoyed as he rebukes his disciples for being part of a faithless generation. And he simply commands the spirit to come out of the boy, and it does immediately. The disciples, clearly confused at this point, come back to Jesus in private, and they ask why they were not able to cast the demon out. Okay, And in Mark 9.29, Jesus says, he says, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Okay. Some manuscripts add that Jesus says, This kind can only be driven out by prayer and fasting. All right, but, but either way, Jesus, he doesn't pray in that moment that we see, and so he must be indicating that his sustained daily prayerfulness and humble expectancy for help from God the Father as a result of his faith, it was sufficient to provide the power that was necessary in that moment. All right, and evidently, we can draw from Jesus' annoyance that he's saying that This kind of power is a kind of power that we too are able to to walk in through prayer. Okay, through prayer. Pastor and author Marshall Seagal says of this, he says, Jesus knew the soul-sustaining, demon-defeating, mountain-moving power of prayer, and he wanted for us to know it too. So again, I doubt that this is anything that you uh, don't already kind of know, but my hope and and our aim should be uh, not to just know about prayer. It should be that we would actually pray and walk in a life of prayer because we know that there is 
There's divine direction and divine power that we otherwise will not possess. Okay? Now, with that in mind, the topic of fasting has already come up a couple times, and so I'd like to transition uh, to talking about that now, because at least nine times that I came up with as I surveyed Scripture, fasting is mentioned right alongside prayer. Okay, the two are combined. Uh, one of the most important, I would say, is in Matthew chapter 6. Just after uh, Jesus wraps up his teaching on prayer, he transitions by saying this. He says, and when you fast, so he doesn't say if, he says when you fast. He assumes that his disciples will fast. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. Uh, so interestingly, this instruction about fasting in secret is... This is the same thing that Jesus says about prayer. So they're back to back, and he says the same thing verbatim about prayer. He says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So clearly these two things, prayer and fasting, are tied. So I think it's safe to say that Jesus implies that as his disciples actively await his return, their prayers will be accompanied by times of fasting. Okay. Now, when I say Fasting, I know we're Baptists, okay? Like, it's like we're Baptists. The only thing we do fast is get to the buffet after service. <laughs> I say fasting, I assume most of you actually know what I mean. But, uh, fat, I'm just joking about the Baptist thing, sort of. Um, but anyway, uh, fa- fasting, it, it, fasting is a temporary abstaining from something good. In Scripture, usually it would have been food, in order to strengthen our acceptance and expression of need for something greater, that is, God himself, but also usually some specific outworking of his grace in our lives. And so in your notes, I've said it this way. Fasting is a way for God's people to show themselves humbled and fully reliant on him for everything that they need, especially intangible spiritual resources. And so it only makes sense that that as the church, as believers in Jesus who desire to be faithful on this mission that he's given us, who who know that we, we need his direction, we need his power. These are intangible spiritual resources, right? Okay. That, that as we come to God in prayer for these things, that we would not only pray, but sometimes we would combine our prayer with fasting. Okay, last year was our, our first time fasting together corporately as a church. And, and something I said that I think it's, it's important to clarify again uh, from these different passages about fasting that we've discussed is it's, fasting is not, it's not masochistic, and it's not moralistic, okay? Fasting is not masochistic and that it's not about just enduring extreme physical discomfort in some strange, like, spiritualized way, all right? It's also not moralistic in the sense that it's not about trying to 
just perform a religious ritual that will somehow bend the will of God to our own. All right. Fasting is not about earning the things that we pray for. It's for expressing our desperate need for God and whatever it is that we're praying for. Okay. We actually see God explain this in Isaiah 58. I won't read it for sake of time. You're welcome to do it yourself. But his people are complaining to him, saying, Hello, God, we're fasting. You see us? <laughs> we're, we're over here fasting. Why aren't you doing what we're asking? We're fasting. Right? That's kind of how the passage reads. And God responds by saying, because you're just trying to manipulate me. Don't you think I can see that even though you're fasting, that you're still engaged in all kind of sin and wickedness? Fasting is meant to be an outward display of a heart-level humility before God, not an alternative to it. Okay? And so I say that fasting is a way for God's people to show themselves humbled and fully reliant on him for everything they need, especially intangible spiritual resources. All right? As we fast... We're reminded through the, the bodily withdrawals that, that even in the simplest things like eating, that we need God. We need God. He's our provider, and he's our savior, and he is our sustainer. So how much more do we need him in order to be found as good and faithful servants who successfully carry out the Great Commission, right? John Piper says, fasting is a physical exclamation point at the end of our prayers. It's a way of saying with our stomach and our whole body how much we need and want and trust Jesus. Okay, that's what fasting is. So with that, I would like to call us as a church to pray and to fast together this month we see in Scripture that corporate fasts are done generally for the same reason as individual fasts, but specifically when a particular group of God's people are united in their purpose and their desire in regards to what they're asking God for in a particular season. Okay, And so I think it would be fitting for us as a church family to fast and pray for our, our collective faithfulness on mission this year and in the years to come. I'm not going to get down into all the details. Um, I'll, I talk about that in our, our partner meetings, which you're welcome to attend. But if you've been around for a while, you know that Mosaic is in a season where we really need to grow. We really need to grow. And numeric and spiritual growth for a church that wants to be faithful to Scripture, this is not a kind of growth that we can manufacture. We can't just Make it, there's not, you know, pragmatic things we can do to just make it happen, okay? We need God. We need God to provide for us the spiritual resources necessary for our next phase of life together as Jesus' church. That said, hopefully you've seen uh, some of our communication already that we put out. 
uh, about the prayer and fasting guide that we'll be using. If you haven't seen it, please go to our Facebook page. I guess you can go now, but maybe after service you can go there. <laughs> we did do a post about it. You can get it uh, on uh, Amazon for like $3. This is it. It's just a simple little prayer and fasting guide that we're going to be using, similar to what we used last year. But let me just read you uh, the premise of the guide from its introduction. Here's what it says. It says, in terms of sheer impact, no speech has transformed the world more than the one given by Jesus on the mountainside. In fact, most great speeches are simply piggybacking on the thoughts and principles in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it begins with some of the most shocking, upside-down statements ever made. Jesus preached a new way of living so that we might learn to live as free citizens of this kingdom wherever we are in the world. But to do so, we must be willing to unlearn, recalibrate, submit, and prayerfully apply the teaching of his sermon. As we take the truth of God, testified to brilliantly by Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, and apply it to our relationships with God and with people, the result will be transformation. It will not just be the appearance of transformation on the outside, but true transformation from the inside out. And so over the next 21 days, let's pray the most remarkable sermon of all time together. And while we are sure we'll be left amazed, even more than that, we will be transformed. And as we're transformed from the inside out, God can use all of us to continue turning the world upside down. This, this is what we desire as a church. This is what we desire as a church. To abide in and obey the words of Christ. To, to be transformed, to turn our part of the world upside down for the gospel and the kingdom of God. And this, as a result, is how we grow, right? But aside from our, our growth as a church corporately, my, my guess is that there are ways that all of us want to grow personally as well, individually this year. Maybe, um, maybe it's in prayer, Maybe you want to grow in prayer. If that's the case, well, then this is right up your alley. Um, maybe it's in being a better husband or wife, better father or mother, being a more faithful disciple maker, being a better steward of your resources, being someone who doesn't just hear the word of God, but who is a, a doer of the word. Maybe, maybe you just want to be someone who actually does read God's word for the first time, or, or maybe... Maybe there's some sin that you've been wrestling with for a long time and you know the Spirit's prompting you and, and telling you that it's time to be, to be done with that. Maybe you know this year is bringing some unique challenges to your life that you didn't expect and that you don't feel prepared to, to handle well. Or maybe there's some circumstance in your life that's causing you a lot of uncertainty or, or fear right now. I, I've been... Uh, part of Mosaic for 10 years, and I've officially been the pastor for five years this month. And in my experience, most of us would probably check several of those boxes that I just mentioned. Okay. So if that's you, you're not alone. I have some of my own things I'm hoping for personally this year. And, and so I say this as much to myself as I do to you, the most important spiritual resolves, breakthroughs, interventions, 
and appointments that we desire to see individually and corporately will likely not come in 2023 apart from prayer. Okay, those things will likely come in response to prayer. So we know what we want to see corporately. We want to see growth on mission, advancement of God's kingdom through us this year. And you also know between you and the Lord what you're desiring to see in your own life. Okay, a lot can happen in 12 months. (laughs) A lot can happen in 12 months. A lot that we really want and a lot that we really can't foresee. Okay. And so for that reason, don't we want to start this year off spiritually focused? I know that I do. So will you commit to pray and to fast with us for the next three weeks or 21 days from Tomorrow, just January 16th, is that right? Through February 5th. I understand that, that some of us, we can't fast from food for, for medical reasons, okay? And it wouldn't be wise for us to try fasting that entire time, okay? you probably pass out and need to go to the hospital, all right? But uh, personally, I'm planning on doing a, a modified Daniel fast, which is uh, just fruits and vegetables on, on most days, uh, liquid fast on Sundays, and then just a total uh, entertainment fast, social media, all of that. So, but, but let me just say, what, whatever you fast from, I just hope you'll join us. I just hope you'll join us as we pray to God and confess that we need the spiritual power and the spiritual direction that only he can give to us. If you have questions or you need more clarity on this, please, you can talk to me after the service or um, talk to your community group leader uh, tonight. Uh, But I hope you'll join us in this. Let's pray. Father, God, you are, you're so good. You are our creator. You are our provider. You are our sustainer. You are our savior. You are our Lord. You are our God. You are our king. You are our friend, and we desperately need you, as we've sang about already this morning. And so my prayer for myself and for these men and women in this room who, who know and love you, God, that we would, is that we would pray, that we would fast for the next three weeks. But as we pray and fast and, and study your word over this course of time, this short time, God, that we would grow more into people who pray all the time. Not people who pray occasionally when something goes wrong, God, but people who really know you and love you and are constantly communicating with you all the time about the mission that you've given us, God. That we would be people who are constantly thinking about your word, considering how good your grace is in the gospel, and looking for opportunities to advance that gospel, to get that gospel out into our spheres of influence for the advancement of your kingdom, Lord. That's my desire. That's, I believe that's our desire. I believe that's our desire as a church. And so, God, we desire to, to grow in that in 2023. Will you help us? Will you empower us by your spirit? 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.